0: When I got up this morning, having been up at, uh, you know, the high desert uh, Friday and uh, Saturday, the, the sun was bright and shiny, and it was very warm. And uh, so I was thinking about uh, uh, having to speak. I shouldn't say having, getting to speak this morning. I, I was trying to position myself, where will I stand when it rain runs down my neck? <laughs> and uh, so, you know, you just, well, I don't know how that's going to work out. And it's kind of uh, emblematic of all of life. Have you noticed that sometimes you wake up in the morning and uh, you're happy and all is well with life and you meet whoever's in the house with, good morning, good morning, and you go to work, good morning to you. But then there are other mornings when you get up and you say, good grief, it's morning. (laughs) And I think we all have those kinds of experiences Uh, The text we're going to look at this morning talks about uh, the day star rising, which is symbolic of the sun, and of course, S-U-N becomes S-O-N, the Son of God rising, and uh, it's a wonderful text, and so if you would, would you stand with me, and we're going to open our Bibles to the first chapter of second uh, peter and i think it'll be up on the screen and let me read for you i'm going to begin in the 16th verse and then read down through the 21st verse for we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our lord jesus christ but we were were eyewitnesses Of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard that very voice born from heaven, for we were with him in the holy mountain. And we have the prophetic word, more fully confirmed, which you do well to pay attention to as a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your hearts, knowing that, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Well, Lord, bless your word this morning and seal it to our hearts, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. American history records at least four periods of time that have been called the Great Awakening. And each of these awakenings, there was a a return to God in our nation. Recently, I heard a, a prominent pastor in our area, well-known, uh, making the statement that he felt like that God had abandoned America. Now, I don't want to believe that. I do not want to believe that. But even if he has, he's not abandoned you and me. And in our lives, there can be great awakenings. Uh, I've come to believe that it 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 is a repeated experience it's not just a one-time thing that happens uh, because we're growing in life life is always changing and we we see god in a different light than we've seen him in the past uh and we awaken to him in a, a deeper fuller sense he reveals uh more of himself to us uh, part of what i understand about god is as we disclose ourselves to him he discloses himself to us uh uh, on these the things we've been doing with the men on on our rides up. It's a two-hour drive to where we're going, and we uh, have three or four guys in our vehicles, and we just start talking about life. And uh, tell me about your family. Tell me about your job. What do you do for a living? Uh, what's God been doing in your life? Just questions like that, and you just talk back and forth. Well, you notice that as you're talking to somebody, you're disclosing themselves. Uh, yourself to them. And that frees them then to disclose themselves to you. Now, if you think of Almighty God, you know, He's transcendent. He's far above and far away. And yet, He's as near as your breath. He is so near that He has come to live in you uh, by the third person of the Godhead, the Holy Spirit, lives right inside of you. And so, this disclosing process is an ongoing thing. And as we reveal himself, ourselves to him, he reveals himself to us, and uh, we know more about him, and we, we we open ourselves more fully to him. And in those experiences, there comes what I would call a great and glorious awakening, a reawaking, uh, even we could call it. Now, what are some of the elements of a uh, 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 Of a reawakening. One of the things I like to share with people today, and and, I'm coming to realize it more and more, that God indeed is Alpha and Omega. He's beginning and He is the end of all things. Our God knows all that there is to know about what has been in the past. He knows all that there is to know about what will happen in the future. That's not foreign to him. It's not hidden to him. He knows all about that. I choose to believe, and I believe this to be true, that God is all about the process of the now. And when Jesus called you to be his disciple, he was calling you to come walk with me. We're on a journey together, we're walking together, and we're developing an intimate relationship so his thoughts become our thoughts. His will becomes our will. His affections become our affections. And so that's the calling that we have in Him. And it is in many ways a journey or a process. So thinking about that, what some of the elements be in this process. Uh, For one thing, what I observe from this text is that uh, Peter... James and John, when they were with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, and they saw Christ somehow, (laughs) I don't know how he did this. (laughs) He kind of takes off the the robe. I guess that's what I'd say with it, the outer shell, whatever you want to call it, his his human body, and radiant glory shines from him, and the essence of his Godhead uh, shines forth and it's mesmerizing, it's frightening, it's, it's a holy moment. And then these two guys show up, Elijah and, Abraham, uh, Elijah and Moses, and somehow Peter, James, and John recognize these guys that have been dead forever and ever, who really weren't dead at all. <laughs> How can that be? How can that be? Well, it's because our spirits are eternal. That's the part of us that's created in the image and likeness of God, and it cannot die. Now, it, uh, it has a couple of destinies. If we put our trust in Christ, we, we spend forever with a loving God, forever and ever. But if we reject his Son, then heaven's not for us. There's a place of torment that awaits us. So anyway, uh, Christ is unveiled before them. And they're really taken back by that experience. Uh, I was thinking about how could I illustrate this? Um, I talked about you, Anita, the first service, and so I wanted to tell you what I said because the rumor might be out there, and I'm going to adjust it. (laughs) Uh, I told them about how I met you and that whole experience. I didn't go into any detail. Okay, just kind of setting the stage. All I I want you to know that I was second string. I'm a 17-year-old senior in high school, and she's a freshman in college. Right there's a disadvantage. So she does go out with me one time, and then she's persecuted for righteousness' sake by the older uh, students at the Bible college. She's dated a high school boy. So I was put on the back shelf. But if nothing else, God has made me persistent. (laughs) I still ride the zipline in my 80s <laughs> so, so you know the long and short of it um, i think initially how we're attracted to one another is there's some physical thing going on there and we you look at that person and that person's appealing to you you get to meet them and your personalities kind of connect and then the relations uh, continues on at a certain point i want to give you a word The word is enamored. You become enamored by that person. You begin to love them in a a deeper way. Now, uh, June the 11th um, of this year, we will be married 61 years. We are more enamored with one another today than we have ever been in life. But it's been a growing process. Now, what I told them, Anita, was that I'm generally right and you're generally wrong. But I'm adjusting that because you're present. <laughs> you're generally right and I'm generally wrong. <laughs> and since we're going to get away for a little while this week, I would just want to be on un- I want to be very kind to you. <laughs> so anyway, that you know, are you enamored with Christ? Peter was Is he dear to you? Are you growing in your relationship with him? Is he becoming all together lovely to you? Uh, I really, more than just like Pastor Rod, I really love that guy. And it's been about a seven year getting to know one another. I think he is one of the most genuine persons I've ever met in my life. Uh, You don't really have to guess. He's authentic in every way. But he's so outgoing and he reaches out to people and he's friendly, and he's kind, and he's smart. Uh, I like the smart part. I like to talk theology. I like to talk Bible. That's where I live. Uh, He talks that. Oh, he likes to fish. I like to fish. So we talk fishing. But it's a developing relationship, and that's what God created us for, and that's what went south in the garden. But it can go north again in Jesus Christ when we are enamored by him. Uh, uh, Michael, Michael was talking up here a minute ago, and he was talking about this touch of God. The whole, he called it, the, call it said the Holy Ghost. Well, that's old-time Pentecost right there. I grew up, it was the Holy Ghost. and uh, Now it's more refined, he's the Holy Spirit, okay? Well, really, one is a, a German translation of, of the word Geist, so you get ghost, and then I think it's an English translation of the Scriptures, you get spirit, so one and the same. But anyway, you go off to the retreat. Now, all of us, many of us have experienced this. Growing up, women's retreats, men's retreats, high school camp, whatever. And boy, you just get a touch of God on your life, and you just want to live in the excitement of that experience. That's what Peter was talking about here. Is that had this great, great experience coming down. You want to capture it some way, but life is not that way. Just as in marriage and in human relationships, sometimes I really get mad at Anita, deservingly or undeservingly. I'm just in a foul mood, and somehow it just doesn't feel what it felt like last week. And if I live at that level, sometimes I feel like that God moved and didn't leave a forwarding address. I don't know where in the world God is in this circumstance, because he certainly couldn't be around because life is just turns so difficult? Where are you, God? So if I'm looking for uh, an emotional thing to happen to me, it probably isn't going to happen. But there is something that is concrete, it's solid, you can always trust it. So it's one thing to be enamored by Christ, and that it should be, enamored by the Son of God. But what if you become engrossed in the Word of God? You see, you go from the uh, subjective to the objective. You go from the feeling thing to the concrete thing that is called the Word of God. So, uh, Peter says it this way. He says, look, uh, uh, you, you have a more sure word of prophecy. So, when he uses the word prophecy, he's talking about how we got our Scriptures. Holy men of old spoke as a but the Spirit of God moved them along, and we have the sacred pages of the Bible today. Now, the question rises in some circles, can you trust the Bible? Let me give you two arguments. The first, you can trust the Bible because Jesus was sold on it. All of the messages of Christ, or let's say most of the messages of Christ, had their foundation in the Old Testament. He spoke in such a way that made the Old Testament authoritative. Now, <clears throat> we only have to look at Jesus at this point. If the Old Testament, if those ancient scriptures are just myth and made up, then we we have to reject Christ. He is a fraud. He's passed on something that's not real. But if indeed Jesus is the Son of God, if indeed he is a co-author of scripture then we best believe that God's word is accurate and is true. Now if you want some external evidences you might consider archaeology. Do you realize that there are more bits and pieces thousands of them of biblical pieces and manuscripts that, that date way back even before uh uh the uh, uh, jesus came way back in time and then coming forward in time uh, uh, uh the 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 history of the bible is more exact than the uh, uh writings of romans off- offer, uh, uh authors like ovid and some of these other guys uh, uh their their translations and, uh, and parchments that are left from their writings date back to the, about the 11th century uh ad But uh, we go way back, beyond the first century, way back in history. 1947 is when the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, and the criticism of that day, higher criticism, uh, questioned the validity of the book of Isaiah, and rightly so in the sense that it is so fantastic, and its prophecies concerning Jesus Christ, uh, they disputed it. But in 1947, the Dead Sea Scrolls were found, uh, intact copy of the book of Isaiah written hundreds of years prior to it being found. So, so the, the, there is that external evidence, archaeology, when the Bible speaks to science, although it's not a book of science, it's science is exact. Uh, it talks about the canopy of space. It talks about the whole water cycle, uh, evaporation. Uh, it, and when any time that the Bible speaks about science, It's accurate. Then you think the history of the Bible in the sense that uh, names of cities and peoples, they're accurate with history. Uh, The prophetic word, God speaking in advance, hundreds of years in advance, and it comes to pass. And I would make one other argument. Perhaps one of the strongest arguments is Michael. Now, I didn't know this about Michael, but Michael told me his story Michael, that was standing here this morning. And as he told me his story, it was just a beautiful transformation, what God did in his life. I've been at this 60 years now. And I could sit down with you, and we could talk for a week, and I can talk to you about people whose lives are transformed by the Word of God. When they heard it, it got a hold of their hearts, and it changed them for time and for eternity. And if I could, I would get you in a hammerlock I would rip you up like this, and I would say, read your Bible, dummy. <laughs> Don't be stupid. Read your Bible. If you want to know God, read the Bible. The Bible is the Word of God. Um, one of the gals told me after the first service, she said, I, I've i been doing what you told me to do. Uh, I've practiced this for years. Uh, in the morning, I get up and I read three chapters of the Old Testament. I read three two chapters of the New Testament. Uh, I've I read a chapter in the Psalms. That takes me about, oh, maybe 20 minutes. What's that in a 24-hour period? And what I know, because I've gone through the Bible so many times, that you can see Jesus on almost every page of the Bible. And when you begin to see Jesus on the pages of the Bible, it will transform your heart, and you will be enamored by the Son of God because the Word of God promotes the Son of God. I have an affinity with this chapter. Peter says, the Lord has revealed to me that the time of my departure is at hand. I am becoming a very, very old man. I've got a bad heart. I've been through two cancer surgeries. I got a bum knee, and I'm a mess. (laughs) And the grim reapers out there, and the sand's running through the hourglass, but there's a glory side to that because there's a heaven that awaits me. But more importantly, there's a boldness that I have, and my boldness is this. As a father in the faith, I say to you, get to know Jesus. Know him through the Word, and then allow the Word to work in your heart. So be enamored by Christ. Be engrossed in the Word of God. And then let me give you one final thought in this regard. I want you to think about being empowered by the Spirit of God. God doesn't tell you to do something that you can't do. He gives you all that is necessary for life and godliness. And you, my dear friends out there in the parking lot, online, and in this tent, I want to assure you of something. When you profess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says no man can... Say that Jesus is Jesus's Lord without the Spirit of God. You have become a new creation in Christ Jesus. You've been born from above, and God by his Spirit has come to live within you. And if that weren't good enough, Jesus says it's expedient for you that I go away, because if I don't go away, the Comforter will not come. Speaking of the Holy Spirit, he will come and live right inside of you. And I and my Father, we too, will take up our dwelling place in you. Now think about this church. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, the eternal God has moved into your your physical being, into that spirit part of you that lives forever and ever, and you have become brand new in him, a new person. You are enabled to do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Quit listening to the devil talk to you about your inadequacies, Quit listening to the psychology that tells you you were wounded as a kid and you're never going to get any better. Listen to God. You're brand new in Christ and God himself lives in you because the Holy Spirit lives in you. Well, I don't know if America uh, can experience another great awakening. I pray so. Uh, The pessimist may not agree with that, but I read a young fellow online recently, and he gave some good reasons why he thinks that an awakening in America is just around the corner. He says this, people have a, a deep desire to know God. Well, is that true of you? Do, you? do you have a deepening desire to know God at a level that you haven't known him before? He said there's a concert of prayer going on in many places in the world. And he says, here in America, the youth are turning to the Lord. He said, recently there was 98 satellite stations that broadcast in a single broadcast. And apparently hundreds of thousands of young people were tuned into that broadcast. And so uh, there's a movement in the youth. And I've lived long enough. in fact, I'm tracing uh, the history of the renewals in America. Every one of them, there was a youth movement involved. So God bless our youth. Uh, Help our our church to to build great uh, youth programs. Uh, Let's pray that God will turn their hearts to the Lord, and let's quit being so negative and saying, Oh, you know, it's getting worse, and it's getting worse, and it's getting worse. No, it isn't. It's always been bad. That's really a lie from hell. It's always been bad. Ever since Adam decided to eat the wrong fruit, it's been bad. But our God comes on the scene in remarkable ways. and the movement of the Lord, the Spirit of God moves in hearts. And that transforming work of the Spirit of God is so marvelous. Such a great thing to be a part of it. So I would choose to believe that uh, there is a sense of urgency then to tell others about Jesus. And if I could leave you with that, don't keep this good news to yourself. You know, you might think about taking a sinner to lunch. And Listen to me. You might think about taking a sinner to lunch. You know, one of the things that happens in church life is that our friends become all, they're all Christians. And we just kind of get narrow. But I want to encourage you, because you're indwelled by God's Spirit, to reach out to the lost people that are in your sphere of influence. Well, that's about all I've got to say, and I want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, I just want to bless these dear people in your name. I thank you that you come, that we might have life and that we might have it more abundantly. I thank you that you drew us out of the pit of sin and shame. You put our feet on the solid rock, Christ Jesus, and so Jesus, I bless you and praise you for that. And Lord, I would ask that if there are those within the sound of my voice that have not yet made a commitment to you, have not invited you into their lives, have not had their eyes open to see the uh, uh, majesty of Christ and become enamored with him, I pray Lord for that to happen for them. For we who know you, may we remind ourselves over and over again of your great love for us and may our hearts be warm towards you. May your word get a grip on our hearts And may your Spirit rule us always, I pray in Christ's name. Amen.